0: Yo, today on the podcast we have stand-up comedian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, Jamie Kilstein. Um, <clears throat> Jamie's a stud, man. He's been on Rogan, he's been on Conan, he's done comedy with some really big names. Um, I, I don't know, dude. I really dig this dude and. I just got done with our conversation, and uh, I feel like he's going to be one of my best friends. (laughs) Um, It's kind of a longer one, we get into a lot of funny shit, Uh, really no direction, I just knew that him and I were going to click, so I didn't really spend a lot of time writing down specific questions and stuff, but uh, we talk about hilarious celebrity run-ins, the difference between New York and LA, uh, comedy scenes, music scenes... uh, drugs, alcohol, depression, uh, fighting, um, all of it. And yeah, Jamie has so much stuff going on. He has, uh, a couple of his own podcasts, which I will put at the outro, uh, so you can follow them. Um, but yeah, here he is, man. The man, the myth, the legend, a man who needs no introduction that just got one anyway. Jamie Kilstein. Jamie Kilstein, welcome to the Satsung Podcast, dude.
1: Hey, buddy. Uh, I realize, man, artists, not artists, I shouldn't put this on everybody. I'm so self-hating that I almost opened up by being like, tell them I was funny before you hit record, just in case I
0: bomb the rest of this interview. (laughs) Dude, I should have just pushed record. I should have known to just push record. That's how it goes. Also, uh, dude, I just, uh, I have a feeling this is going to be really fun and awesome. I literally- I literally, usually I have like a bunch of notes and stuff, of stuff I want to get into. I have like four four things written down. Cool. That's the way to
1: do it, man. I mean, you got to find that balance, right? Because sometimes you meet someone who's like, hey, I want to start a podcast. And you're like, oh, cool. Like, what do you want to do? And they're like, I don't know, man. I just want to get like stoned and talk with my friends. I'm like, nope, that's going to be so bad. But at the same time, I've noticed (laughs) the times that I've taken – like I've interviewed Noam Chomsky, like a bunch. And like the times I've taken meticulous notes, I don't find the interview good because I'm just so in my head and I'm crossing out, I'm crossing out questions and I'm re I'm overthinking shit. So you have to find that kind of balance. of okay. I got some, like what you did is perfect. It's like I have some things to go to if it comes to that or like some topics, but like I, when I would get real nervous, I would write in like jokes. Like it, it, it wouldn't be that forced, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to open with like making a joke about this. And like, it's
0: just, ugh, it's I got a good. joke. I got a joke for you. Uh, All right, one of the four things I wrote down was Ashton Kutcher Jiu-Jitsu video. Oh no!
1: <laughs> I have such I have such mixed feelings about that. Uh, it's funny I interviewed Russell Peters on my jujitsu podcast last week, and we talked about this. Where Russell definitely gave him a little bit of shit. It didn't look great. It looked pretty bad, dude. Here, here's where I'm at
0: with that. Anybody hang on, hang on, hang on. We got to give backstory here. Okay. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for Ashton all of Kutcher is an actor.
1: Yes. Uh, he you, you <laughs> he was in a show. show He's married to Demi Moore Alright, that's all the backstory you get
0: Alright, dude, so he essentially uh, You know, is supposedly a brown belt Under Hegan Machado Which is like, you know In uh, the jiu-jitsu world Is like having a Harvard Law degree uh, Buddy, does
1: anybody listen to this podcast Train, or do you just torture them And they just want to hear like stories about like trevor hall and like beautiful music <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i think a fair amount of people uh now i think it's like probably 30 70. okay I, yeah because i'm about this I, i'm about
1: I, i'm so because I, I do the same thing you do that's why i'm like i'm empathizing with those people i'm like should i be framing this story towards jujitsu nerds or should i be fr- i'm gonna try to fr- make it broader yeah ashton,
0: well what's great with ashton kutcher dude is he's like a roller he's real broad he covers a lot of ground everyone knows ashton yeah. kutcher but, this is this is why it's a good it's a good yes. way to
1: ease into jiu-jitsu bullshit
0: totally so uh there is a video of him uh having a friendly role with a man named craig jones who is uh who's a very high level fella in the sport and um you know, obviously, you're not going to do great against Craig Jones, but uh, it was really bad, dude. I mean, his movement looked real awkward. and okay. uh, All right. Give me your take. Where I will agree with you is
1: what's beautiful about jiu and why jiu isn't, like, what – Are 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 we around the same age? Are you younger than me? I'm 32. I'm 38. Okay, okay, so you're younger yeah. than me. So when I was growing up, it was before – the UFC came around and proved that pretty much all martial arts don't work. <laughs> totally. So, you, get, you guys, like, even if you're not into fighting, this is fucking fascinating to me. Where the UFC, which is now, like, a huge respected sports brand on ESPN, used to be illegal Savagery. illegal in most yeah. states. Yep. There were no rules. There were no weight classes. You would fight three times in a night. And it was literally, like, the first two or three are roughly based off of the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Bloodsport, where it was, <laughs> it was style versus style. Yep. And it was pitched as, we're going to find out what the baddest, you know, the baddest style in jiu-jitsu or in, in martial arts is, blah, blah, blah. And so there was a sumo wrestler who, like, fought someone like your size. He fought like a Hackney boxer. Yep. Yes, yep. Th- there was there was a ninja. There was literally it was like a ninjitsu guy. There were a bunch of karate guys who got beat up. Like one guy who looked like the dude from Eastbound and Down. Like Keith, Keith Hackney, was, That's what I'm
0: talking about, dude. Oh, he oh no, 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 Brayden. no. But
1: okay, so he was a karate guy, right? Because there was an actual Kenpo, yeah. ninja.
0: Yeah, Keith and hackney so, was the was the guy with the mullet.
1: Was the mullet guy? Yeah. Um. Yeah. There was a boxer who wore literally one, one glove. boxing glove. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think his name was like Art Jimmerman. Um. Mm-hmm. And it was bananas. Like, the only rule was you couldn't, like, hit in the dick. And um, so, Jiu-Jitsu wins. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he <laughs> Look, mullets, they play by their own rules, man.
0: <laughs> we, we,
1: we do this. If I'm fighting a guy with a mullet, I'm like, that, I'm getting kicked in the dick. At it's all on the point, table. Whether I'm winning or losing, I'm getting kicked in the dick. Um, the – so, Jiu-Jitsu wins. And not just wins – but essentially showed that all of these martial arts are fraudulent. And so I grew up on like Van Damme movies and all this Same. stuff, and there were karate, karate schools everywhere, and they're like gone now. Yeah. And the problem isn't – it's not just that, you know, jiu is better or whatever. It's any sport – or sorry, any martial arts where you are sparring, which means testing yourself, right? It's the difference between – you know, playing guitar by myself, and suddenly getting with a band and being like, I don't know how to keep time, or yep. getting in, or doing stand up, saying I'm a comedian, but I've never performed in front of an audience where there's waitresses and hecklers and bottles dropping and fucking someone eating mozzarella sticks while you're talking about the military-industrial complex and cheese dripping down his fucking chin, like you need to factor all this stuff in. So if you're just doing kicks in the air, you know, Bruce Lee was kind of credited as being the first mixed martial artist because he always would go after those styles where he was like, belts are just for holding up your pants. You know, karate, the big thing was like, you'd break boards. And he was like, boards don't hit back. And these are all very important uh, points that UFC and MMA kind of dispelled. So karate, all these places completely shut down. What's beautiful about jujitsu is that even though there is a belt ranking system, I literally in my head was like, what the fuck am I talking about, Ashton Kutcher? Um, <laughs> there's a belt ranking system. There's not like a million belts like karate's. Like karate, karate schools, essentially, you signed up, you're there for long enough, you show up to enough classes, they give you, it's capitalism, they give you a belt, yeah. you come back, you get your next belt, you go, oh, there's, I want And there were literally like black belts at 13. And it's like, yeah. you show me one 13 year old who can take me you're out of your goddamn mind, right? <laughs> right. So, the, uh, so the part of me that agrees with you with Ashton is like, yeah, there are going to be certain, especially Hollywood, LA type gyms who will reward celebrities. And that to me is a bummer because it takes away one of the beautiful things in jujitsu where jujitsu is a, a, a pure meritocracy in the sense of like, you got you to prove yourself every day, yep. every day, every day, every day, every day. With that said, what's interesting is that kind of did happen. You showed a video of him, and everyone goes, oh, that guy's not a fucking brown belt. Now, where I will defend Ashton Kutcher, and my friend Kenny Florian, uh, Jonah Hill just started training with him, right? Yep. You get celebrities who are that famous. Ashton Kutcher could literally never leave his house again and would have a pretty dope life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. To sign up for jujitsu, to be a grown-ass man, let alone a celebrity, let alone a bazillionaire, and put on a stupid fucking gi and a dumb little white belt and get beat up every day. Just because he had a shitty coach who gave him a belt too soon, I I blame that more on the coach. Yeah, same. Where I'm like... I didn't like that Ashton got, and I'm of the very unpopular opinion on this. Um, I didn't like that Ashton got so much shit because I'm just like, dude, one, he's doing it. Two, he's going to spar with Craig Jones. Three, if I'm that fucking famous and I'm about to get ass kicked, I'm like, everyone, turn your goddamn cameras off. And the fact that he was like, yeah, that's what jujitsu is. That's kind of like the a jujitsu move. That's kind of a cool jujitsu spirit move, to me. Um, and yeah, if you know Hegan, I think I heard somewhere, but this could be wrong, that Hegan's just kind of like a celebrity fucker. And it's like, all right, well, that's on him. Um, yeah, I heard. I, remember- I heard that
0: there's actually like a like a se- not like a secret program, but like a, if you're that famous, that it's like, okay, well, you don't have to spar with the heathens. You'll just train with me. Yeah. Um, like so much shit. of my training early was just with my professor. Yeah, uh, but it was like, no, 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 don't get your ass kicked by them. I'm gonna show you how to really get your ass kicked. You know, yeah, so I I had mean, like that's a real trial thing. by fire.
1: Yeah, like you, you definitely wanna every once in a while go with the spazzy people, go with the idiots, because a black belt will kick your ass very technically, and sometimes yeah. you need that like kind of rage of like this fucking two hundred pound guy is trying to injure me. <laughs> Yeah. And, and or like you want and you want to stop but then you're like
0: oh no wait this is probably what a street fight would look like so i'm gonna to use totally a suit. dude i've had really good luck i was just talking about this you know my agent was like it's really ballsy that you just go places and train when you're on tour like at any yeah. point in time someone could be like who the fuck is this guy and then they're like oh he's right. a touring musician and they're like get him and i actually yeah. had it it only happened once it was at a, in a, the suburbs of chicago uh, the gym where mine happened names. in the suburb, my, mine happened in Colorado. I have a very yeah. let's swap stories, okay? Because I so I, mine I have, I have was mine. great. I trained with my agent, uh, yeah, and very legit. He's like a seven year blue belt, he just got his purple your, belt. Your agent does jiu jitsu. How cool is that? Yeah, dude, it was I'm a big selling every, point.
1: I'm I've been going on every every comedy podcast, I talk about how shitty my agents are, and then they go, Aren't you afraid? They're gonna hear this and I go, No, because they're shitty and they don't support me and they won't listen to anything I do. That's the problem. So I just wanted to use that opportunity, and they're very big agents, uh, to throw that in there. Uh they should do jujitsu. They should do jujitsu, or I should just go with your agent. That's incredible that he does jujitsu. All
0: right, yeah. Continue. So uh we had been talking about it for over a year. So I was like, all right, dude. So I I skipped a fucking steakhouse dinner with my bass player's family to yeah. go train. And I roll with him and then the teacher of the school and I really hit it off because we had a bunch of mutual friends through fight to win. We just knew a bunch okay. of the same people, you know? And he's like, Hey, this kid just got his blue belt and he's real good. And we have the same body type. He's like, go with him. Well, I end up doing like five rounds with this kid. And I keep seeing this like, bad. no, he he was actually real smooth. I mean, he wanted to kill oh, me, but okay, his, okay. his jujitsu is good. But I keep looking over this two stripe white belt and he looked like, a bully yeah. from a Karate Kid movie. Great. But like with steroids on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I literally... Keith, Keith Hackney hair? Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, so I, uh, I take my gi top off and my belt off. Yeah. Like clearly being like, and I'm spent. And right. he comes over and is like, hey man, can I get one before you leave? And I was that like... happened to me the other day. This and I was the like, yeah. Day. And uh, he uh, he'd power doubled me so fucking hard so i had him in my guard and then he like grabbed an inside collar and started like pushing his uh his knuckles into my neck and i said do you have money on the line yep and then he got really mad
1: my line is uh that's funny that you have your funny line my line is hey can we not fight like you're trying to avenge your slain parents
0: (laughs) that's a good one too uh well he ended up uh I, I like went off to the side and went in Williams guard and did this sneaky little collar choke on him.
1: Oh, that's one of my and, old coaches.
0: And then, Oh no shit.
1: Sean. Yeah. You remember yeah. Him,
0: and then when he, uh, uh, right before, uh, before tapping, he reached his thumb over and, uh, no, yeah. Like, uh, scraped a bunch of the skin off of under my eye. And, uh, so then I pushed uh, him off and I've never said this before, uh, especially in an Academy. Well, I've said it before, but not at an academy. And I said, dude, if you want to fight, we can fight. Took my gi top off and the whole nine like, was like, dude, what are you doing right now? Um, dude, we have the exact same mannerism because I never
1: get chest puffy. I never yell. And I nope. always
0: say, dude,
1: but that's always my, I've had to use that line a couple of times. I'm like, hey, dude, if you want to fight, tell me. And I, and, and I stay calm. Like, I try to explain it to them rationally. I'm like, because right now you're trying to fight me. And I'm not trying to fight you. I'm trying so to train with you. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if we want to fight, I literally had to say this the other day. I was like, are we fighting? Because if we're fighting, <laughs> I'm going to go harder. Um, yeah, mine, not trying to uh, one-up your story, but mine involves a swastika tattoo. Oh, so, boy. I went to train at an MMA gym in Colorado, and, like, I showed up at the 6 a.m. class, and, like, half the group was, like, smoking cigarettes outside, and I was like, <laughs> I should have left. Um... And I did a kickboxing class first, and yeah, the coach just kept dropping, pe- dropping people with like liver kicks, which is weird. <laughs> and then uh, I did the jiu-jitsu class, and the coach was a purple belt. I was a blue belt at the time. This was like forever ago. And he's going so fucking hard on me. And I'm like, this is weird. And I was in that place where there's part of me – I have a really, like, relaxed but aggressive style. And if I spaz out, oftentimes, uh, I lose what I'm good at, you know? So, but at the same time, if you're really flowy and have a relaxed style, you can use that as an excuse to be lazy. It's the... um, it's still an ego thing. It's the little man's equivalent of being a hulking spaz where you can just be like, Oh, I'm just being flowy and keeping it playful when in reality, you're just afraid to go hard. Cause you don't, you want to tell yourself you can kick this guy's ass or whatever. And, um, so I was like, I just got a weird feeling, man. I'm just going to like stay light. And so I stay light. He fucks me up. We slap hands. I go, thanks man. Good roll. And uh, and then I start to get mad at myself, and I'm like, ah, God, I should have gone harder on that guy. Like, I know I could have taken him or at least given him a better fight. And as I'm thinking this, I just hear, ah, and the guy he was rolling with, he broke, broke his finger so bad that his finger was going horizontal across his all finger? of his other fingers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he broke another guy's finger, like the next guy. So I was like, thank fucking God I didn't go with him. So then we're talking afterwards and I look down, he's covered in tattoos. So I'm like, oh, we're going to be homies. And I look down at his hand and he has a fucking swastika tattoo on his hand. And before I say anything, he sees me look at it and he goes, (laughs) this is my favorite part. He goes, uh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm meaning to get that removed and i'm like i feel like that should be on the top of your to-do list like i feel like if i have a swastika tattoo that's going before pick up bread that's going before like car washed it's like number one all day every day uh get swastika removed but yeah man like i had someone do that shit to me the other day i had a really hard round with this pro and those fucking yeah those white belts they like jump out of the shadows where they see you're tired and they're like, "Yeah, exactly. like, I noticed
0: you look really dehydrated <laughs> and tired. Yep. Yeah.
1: And then I was like, I'm going to have to beat the shit out of them. And so I just kind of like <sighs> deep breath. And then I beat the shit out of them. And I was like, okay, so we're not going to do that again. Right. You know, cause he didn't know me. I was just the new guy who was now tired and he's like, Hey yeah. bro, you want to, and I was like, <laughs> you want a piece of this? I all guess. right. All right. Uh, all right.
0: Let's, I want to know, uh, how the hell you got into comedy because, uh, I did. I haven't done the intro yet, but I will do an intro. And I was thinking what's really funny is when people go, a man who needs no introduction, and then they give an introduction. So I might say that in the intro. Yeah. But I just ruined it by saying it on the podcast. But
1: Also, I need an introduction. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally only famous in, like, New York vegan restaurants.
0: Uh, so <laughs> My bass player okay. is a huge fan of your comedy. But, yes, please tell me how you got into comedy. Is, is, is he a vegetarian? No.
1: Oh, no. interesting. All right. Good. My my <laughs> jujitsu my jujitsu and alphaness is starting to win me over other people. Um, so you will love this. Uh, it's because I couldn't get in a band. So, like, I was in a band in high school. Music's my love. Um, obviously, laughter <laughs> is important. I like laughter. I'm very unfunny when I'm not doing stand up. I'm like very earnest. Um But, like, if I'm depressed or if I'm happy, I don't put on, like, my favorite Bill Hicks album and go take a walk. Like, I put on music, you know, and that grounds me and centers me. And, um, you know, I played drums all through, like, middle school and high school. Couldn't afford a drum set. So I would take my lunch. And I would just go, because I didn't have friends anyway, and I would just go in the band room, and I would put my fucking lunch on the floor, Tom, and I would just play drums for 45 minutes. Uh, The only high school teacher who had my back was my music teacher. Um, I remember the day I dropped out of high school, all these teachers told me, hey, if you're struggling, you know, just come to me, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I went around to all of them. And literally like I went to my English teacher and he was like, I don't have time walked away. I went to my gym teacher. He goes, uh, are you on drugs? And I go, no. And he goes, all right, talk to me later. Walks away. I go to my other, uh, my history teacher. He threatens to report me. And then I go, fuck this man. I'm leaving. And I go to walk out of the high school. And I hadn't talked to my band teacher in two years. Cause I was starting to fuck off and like, I let him down, you know? And, um, the last thing I did in high school before leaving is I go, I'm like almost in tears and I see him, his name is Mr. Swabedison and he goes, "Uh, are you okay? And I go, yeah, can I just like hide out in the band room till the end of the period? And he goes, yeah, just don't tell me where you're supposed to be right now. And I went and I played drums. Um, And then I left high school and I never came back. And you know, like three years later, I saw him in like a CVS parking lot or like 10 years later or something, like after I did Conan and stuff and I told him about that moment. And like, we both did the man thing where we just tried not to cry. And then we just like shook hands and walked away. Um, So music uh, was my thing. And I was in this band and our band was doing good for like a high school band. Like we opened for the band who opened for blues Traveler. You know what I mean? Like it was like one of those situations, but like for us, it was a big deal. We were like high school people and we were playing through a real sound system and the drums were mic'd, which is like, Oh, the first time you play with mic drums, you're like, we sound like a real band, even though there were like 50 people there. Right. And so I think, and we're a bunch of stoners, so it's named, our band's named after a Simpsons reference. It was a Pray for Mojo. And then my, another band was named Millhouse. Uh, I will continue this trend until I die.
0: Um, Millhouse is a great band name. It's a
1: fucking great band
0: name. Bro. Yeah, it rolls out my the tongue nice. Yeah.
1: Right? Um, and so I, we, I was at band practice one day. And I was like, all right, guys, it was like senior years before I dropped out. I was like, so like, I think we can tour next year and I can probably get us to like open up for this band. And like, maybe we should think about like merch and stuff like that. And all of them were like, bro, we got to go to college. And I was like, but we're in a band. Like, I mean, I'm sure you were this guy in friend groups where like, it seems so obvious to you. Where you're
0: like, why don't we do the thing we love? I mean, this has happened to me in relationships. Bro, this- bro it's so weird that you're saying that. So a dear, dear friend of mine that I grew up with uh, happened to be in Montana shooting a wedding. And he came by today. And we were talking about it because he graduated early so he could get the fuck out. And okay. we were talking about just how when you're in high school, how teachers never teach kids to factor in like happiness as a currency. It's like yeah. – well, no, you dude, I mean, your plan has to be you go to college and you do this thing and then you like, you get a decent job and like, it's not like, well, I mean, if music is what's going to make you happy, then you should play music.
1: And not only that, but I remember I was talking to, uh, this will be my first name drop. Uh, I was talking to Henry Rollins and I was asking him advice.
0: He's my he hero. He was like,
1: oh, he's the best. and He was like, all you have to do is not quit. He was yep. like, if you don't quit, he's like, you may not be the biggest rock star in the world, but you're going to make a living with music. Yep. Like you'll be doing something you know i mean the the most tragic example is the drummer in that band had to go to college didn't want to go to college was such a sick weird drummer and uh parents were going to make him go to college couldn't afford to go to college joined the military so he could afford college september 11th happens oh boy goes to iraq comes back a fucking alcoholic. Like, we were all stoners, but we didn't really drink in my high school. We were like a weed hippie school, which I got very lucky about. Um, And, uh, you know, then when he turned like 30-something, was living with his parents again and started to take the train into New York to try to do session drum work. And I'm like, that's 15 years and no alcoholism where you could have just been playing drums. Sure. Um, and, And you could have been happy, even if you were just making... I mean, dude, I'm not making as money, as much money as like I used to, but like my quality of life is fantastic. I mean, that's really all that matters is quality of life, purpose, doing something you love. Right. Um, And so once I realized that the band wasn't going to happen, I didn't have the balls to sing. I was just a guitar player. So I was like, and I knew I wanted to do entertainment and I was about to drop out of high school. So I was like, I'll try stand up. And then I just took the train into New York from Jersey and started doing open mics. And essentially the only reason I did comedy was because the hot chick of music rejected me and I didn't want to get hurt and risk getting rejected anymore. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I can do comedy because I can only, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. And I mean, this shit's happened to me forever. Like I started doing this cartoon online and like the girl who was drawing it this week was like, I can't do it anymore. And I'm like, Ugh. like to me, that was going to be huge. Like I'm the person who like, I see the long thing yeah. and I'm like, let's just do it and put work in. It's like, well, how do I make money now? I'm like, you don't, but I don't give it. I'm not making money. We don't make money. We do a thing. We do art. Cause we love art. And then when you do something just from love, uh, it ends up making you fucking good money. Uh, you just have to be patient and do the thing you love. So anyway, so that's why I started doing comedy. It was just, uh, I got my heart broken by a band and I couldn't play music by myself. And I was like, all right, stand up. I don't need a fucking instrument. I just show up at a place. I do the thing, uh, you know, and then I got kind of good at it. And, and then now
0: I have Stockholm syndrome and I keep trying to quit and I can't. <laughs> Dude, there's nothing crazier to me even as a lead singer in a band, of like, dude, there's no like stretching oh, out a did- jam. Yeah, no, I've yeah. So like, the idea of being like, okay, I'm gonna stand in front of this crowd and I have even Horrible. 15 minutes is like, that's an eternity if it's just you.
1: Oh, I mean, I have friends who uh, um, I've talked to. Uh, uh, maybe there 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 might be some crossover, but the lead singer of Guster. And, uh, this love guy, that Matt band. they're great. So I had Ryan on my podcast and Ryan is uncharacteristically funny for a musician. It's just everything he says. He is just, and he does it, uh, on stage and he's great. And Matt Nathanson, pop guy, shockingly hilarious as well. Like they have a similar style of, actually me and the guy from Guster were talking about how funny Matt Nathanson was on my podcast. But I remember Matt wrote me once where he's like god I had an audience last night that like like if you bomb a joke if you hit a wrong chord in a song or a you know you hit like you sing something a little flat the the audience doesn't just go zoop and like stop you know what I mean you just keep going yeah and then you like tell the bass player like hey we got to sync up more on the bridge whatever
0: yeah
1: imagine every time you fucked up the audience just gets Angry, like yep. aggressively, <laughs> aggressively quiet. There is nothing louder than silence after a joke doesn't do well. It is a goddamn nightmare. And what's great about music, too, is even people who like bitch from someone who doesn't get to play music anymore, even people who bitch about like small shows. I'm like, guys, a small show as a band is a band practice, which is great. I love band practice. A small show as a comic is I'm standing here in front of 15 people who were tricked in with free tickets. And now they're seeing how expensive the two drink minimum is and they're mad. And this guy doesn't like his girlfriend laughing at me and fucking that woman got offended at my abortion thing. And like, it's just a fucking, it's like a war. Whereas with music, I feel like it's like, yeah, we're bringing everyone together, like whatever. But dude, when you start comedy, it's like you're doing open mics at bars where they don't know a comedy show is about to happen. Like they're watching the football game and then suddenly this like ominous mic is being like, like dragged out from the corner and the TVs go off. And you're just like, hey, how's everyone doing? And they're like, not
0: good. Not good now. What It'd the be a fuck lot better this? if I could finish the Knicks game, you fuck. Dude, yeah, it is
1: like, it's, it's borderline combative. Now with that said, at its best, when you're just hitting like joke, 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 it's like the climax of a guitar solo over and over and over again, right? It's like that's why I like jam bands. Like people will probably shit on me for this, but like I grew up listening to like Fish and yeah. like that whole like uh uh like dissident dissident climb climb climb, boom big high note, white lights, crowd cheers. Like it's very it's like almost scientific, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And it's a beautiful moment. Um, That's a killer punchline. You know, you just hit it, hit it, hit it. Uh, But god damn,
0: like. Well, what's hard too is like for me as a huge fan of comedy, um, I can watch a lot of people and be like, yeah, that guy's funny. But there's not a lot of people that make me like lose my shit laughing because it's a weird thing when I'm like, okay, dude. Okay. All right, Jamie, go make me laugh. Ugh. I'm here. I'm, Even you know what I mean? Like I'm here. I'm here for I'm like you to make me laugh. Slowly closing my camera. <laughs> yeah, but you know it's, it's so weird. Well, when I came up
1: in New York, and the New York club scene is literally people getting hustled into clubs. It's these new comics standing on street corners. Being like, hey, come in, free tickets, like Dave Chappelle stopped by last night, blah, blah, blah. So it's like all of these like Norwegian tourists and like people who, again, their girlfriends are like, come on, it's comedy. And like, he's just like, I just want to go in late. And so now he's pissed. And then no one shows up. There's no Chappelle. There's no Seinfeld. It's just a bunch of shitty comedians and they're angry. So like that's where I cut my teeth, you know, where it's like, oh, you're performing in front of people who actually don't want to be there. Um, And they were essentially lied to by like me and Pete Holmes were the ones who handed out flyers outside of the Boston Comedy Club. And yeah, just lied to people all night to come in. And then we didn't get paid. We would hand out flyers for like four hours and then we would get to do five minutes at the end of the show after Chappelle did stop by. And then the entire audience left except for like two people. And then it's like, hey, remember me from the street corner? Like, I'm the guy who ruined your night. Here's my observations
0: about Iraq. And, like, it's like, ugh. Like, it's, it's, it's brutal. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because it's, like, one thing that I've kind of gathered, too, is that there's, like, um, much like music, you know, that there is. There's an East Coast scene. There's a Chicago comedy scene. There's an L.A. Yeah. scene. And they all kind of have, it seems, it seems very clicky.
1: Yeah, when I was coming up, everyone in the New York scene was trying to be Dave Attell. Uh, It was very like, midgets and a-drinking and a-ba-da-ba. And then everyone in L.A. was trying to be uh, Dane Cook. They were all very hot. They were all putting their their legs up on stools and doing very big movements. And then Chicago, when I was coming up, was actually really solid. It was like John Mulaney, uh, Kumail. Hannibal used to open for me. And I think just because of this theater, he would just open for anyone who was there because he just wanted stage time. Like, he was just a hustler. Yeah. Um, and then they stayed in Chicago for a really long time. So by the time Mulaney and Hannibal moved to New York, they were such fucking killers that they just went like, boop, 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 and just like blew up right away. Um, which is really fucking cool. I'm sorry, I'm having this like existential crisis where I'm like, whenever I do a podcast and I talk about comedy, I'm just talking about how much I hate comedy, which makes me think I shouldn't be doing comedy. But anyway, uh, that's how
0: I got into comedy. That's my answer. But, but the full circle is that it's funny. So, A, you're being a comedian.
1: Well, <laughs> this is the hard part. This is the hard part where I feel like I, I'm a comedian when I'm having a mental breakdown. Yeah. And I'm not, there's nothing hyperbolic about that. Yeah. Where when I'm depressed, when I'm miserable, when I'm drinking and I don't think I should be, when I'm eating shitty, when I'm having a one-night stand, when I'm I'm like, I'm a comic. And when I'm doing jujitsu, and when I'm eating healthy, and when I'm taking walks, and when I'm meditating, I'm like, I'm a good person. <laughs> right. And I know I know there's a way to combine the two things and it's just my attic brain. That's not letting me, you know, cause Russell Peters said that, but Russell Peters is also so famous that he can go on the road and have an SUV, take him to go get healthy food and train with a uh, black belt privately. And so, cause I was thinking about this cause I was kind of y for the first time in a while. Um, my first week of shows back. I did a week of shows back at uh, this place called the House of Comedy, Lovely Club. Uh, <laughs> the fact that you really just like said
0: su- to- "suicide" is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, never, I've never heard that term before.
1: It, it's how I try to make it like cute enough that people don't stop the conversation to go, "Are you okay?" I was like, "Shut up, it's fine." <laughs> um, <and> so uh, <laughs> it's all a defense mechanism, buddy. Sure. Um, <laughs> and, and, and and the shows themselves, they were small because fucking Mall of America, Minneapolis, COVID. But they were awesome. Like when I was on stage, I was like, I love comedy. I think I drank for two of the shows and I was sober for like six of them. Um, So alcohol didn't factor in. I certainly didn't get drunk. Um, I ate healthy-ish. I ran every day. So I'm like, I'm bringing new healthy Jamie into comedy. And I still, every night, could not sleep, and I felt, like, derailing. I remember one night I was like, I'm not going to drink tonight because I just want to show that I can do comedy without even having a beer. And that night, at, like, midnight, I, like, walked to IHOP and just, like, stood outside the window being like, get French toast, don't get French toast. Like, it was like an alcoholic outside of a – and I was like, this shouldn't be a big deal. I should be able to get IHOP if I'm hungry. I should be able to have a beer if I want a beer. But it was – my inner 25-year-old who grew up, you know, watching all the kind of bad boys of comedy and, you know, the first guy I opened for was Stanhope. that I was like, I associate comedy with derailing, you know, and I tried to do it right this run. I, like, said no to girls who were hitting on me. I think, yeah, total I drank probably five drinks in, like, a week. Uh, a pretty healthy, ran, blah, blah, blah. And I was, every time I got back to my hotel, I felt like I was having a fucking panic attack. And I was like, well, this isn't good. And I don't know what the fuck it is, man. I don't know if it, but the onstage part was great. And so I got home and I was like, I'm going to quit comedy. I'm going to start like focusing on this music and writing this book and the podcasts. And, you know, I mean, like I have other stuff that's going really well. Um, but I, I just have this love hate relationship with stand up, you know, like, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, my only friend in stand-up at one point was fucking Robin Williams. And, like, he was the only one telling me not to quit. And then he killed himself. And I I said this to a friend the other day where I'm like, when the guy who's talking to you about your depression kills yourself, you're like, well, I'm fucked. Uh, Like, this isn't good, you know? And, like, so those are the associations. So even the good associations I have with comedy
0: ended terribly. Well, Um, there's, like, a... It's a weird you know what's it's weird because yeah what you're saying dude is is dead on i feel like so much of comic especially the like david tells of the world are this like yeah i fucking drink too much and i chain smoke and fuck the world but here's my yeah. kind of funny self-deprecating view of it you know and the audience loves eats it at louis ck you know another louis- guy that's was just, just like yes. up there shooting himself in the face and people are just like ha, ha, ha,
1: ha, you know yeah yeah well and it's it's revered when you're hanging around comics, when I'm hanging out with jujitsu people, they're talking about like, it. I mean, I didn't know what positive thinking was until I started hanging out with athletes. You know, yeah. if I walk backstage at a comedy club with like a Tony Robbins book to be like fucking gay, get out of here. Yeah, Totally this idea of like trying to be better or actualized or calling yourself an artist. You know, I, I, this was the first year I had the balls to call myself an artist because like I'm fucking weird. And what I do is like art. Um, But I thought that was so lame, you know, like I'm 38 and I still want people to think I'm cool. Like I feel like there's a lot of that in comedy. And to me, music didn't have that as much music to me was more of like the kind of like theater, dork, improv, comedy, people where like, I did this hip-hop podcast the other day, and I was, or a couple months ago, and I was talking about this where, like, even, like, the hardest rappers are still, like, looking another man in the eye, tapping their feet in unison, harmonizing, playing off each other. Like, there's something very intimate about playing music, whereas with comedy... The opposite is review. You know, in music, if you're watching a band, the second I see the bass player start to, like, look back and, like, really groove with the drummer, I'm like, <gasps> like, that's what I love. But with comedy, it's the opposite. It's, like, the more miserable, the more, like, alone. He's the outcast. He's going to he's gonna tell it like it is. He's He doesn't play by the rules. Like, it's all this dumb, romanticized bad boy shit, even though comics are mostly just fucking scared dorks that didn't get laid in high school and are trying to like make up for it by being funny which is me and true um <laughs> so i don't know man it's uh it's hard i mean if i was a more mature person uh the goal would be well how can i be healthy and this new version of myself and still do comedy you know, like maybe like I only take gigs where I'm like making enough money where I can rent a car and I don't have to be this comic. I just show up for my set, do it, leave, go home, be healthy, train jujitsu, uh, blah, blah, blah. But then I get on the road and I
0: like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. See, it's I hope interesting, this is- dude. that like- I interesting for your audience? No, no, I think it totally is. Because, you know, what's interesting, what I hear is like, I've always kind of been like the weird outcast in the music industry because... I show up, we play our set and I leave. I don't really politic or hang with anyone. Like I'll talk to a promoter or, you know, whoever's running the business side of things and try to build our relationship and express my gratitude. Well, you got to get
1: coke from someone. Am I right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And just try to like, let them know I'm stoked to be there, but you know, I would rather work out, you know, it's, it's been interesting, you know, in the comedy world as well as the music world without naming. Names, you know, shit's hitting the fan, dude. People get everybody,
1: is that the name you were looking for? Literally yeah,
0: everybody? Literally everybody. And it's like every dude. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, this is why I don't fucking drink. Well, I don't drink because okay. I'm an alcoholic, but it's like, this is oh, why I don't word. hang out. Cause it's like
1: yeah.
0: this is bad, dude. Bad shit happens when the lights go out at festivals and I just don't want to be a part of it. I just want to go in my I want to show up. I want to do the thing where I make people feel really good and they make me feel really good. And then I want to go work yeah. out in my hotel room and watch cops.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I totally agree. And there are a lot of, if the stuff is true, there are a lot of really bad people getting rightfully called out. Um, And then there's also going to be a lot of like a lot of bullshit. And then there's going to be a lot of gray area and then there's going to be, but yeah, I don't want to be involved in any, in any of it. Um, yep. I thought about that. I literally, those Minneapolis shows had a girl at one of the shows start sending me aggressive nudes and I wanted to delete them and I, I didn't even talk, I didn't meet her after the show and I wanted to delete them. But then I was like, oh, I guess I should save this in case like, it. Something gets said. And then I'm like, ugh, I don't want to think like that. You know what I mean? Like, I just I want to talk to people as humans. I want to connect with people as humans. Uh I mean, dude, there's part of me that like I almost settled into a very boring relationship with a like a lovely person. Like we both bored each other. Um, just because I wanted to be done with dating. Just because I'm like, everything's weird. I don't like this. you're nice, I'm nice to you. And then like we ended up having this like loving breakup, and this is the first time I've been single ever. Um,
0: yeah, and, so you, uh, had a, you broke up like right before quarantine, right? Dude,
1: I broke up. Yeah, like literally, I'm so codependent that I'm convinced God created COVID just so I wouldn't start dating again. Um, <laughs> like, I have never been single. Um we broke up in January and I was like all right I'm going to be by myself I'm going to figure out who I am all of the clichés I'm going to like eat pray love it I like had tickets to go to India um Oh you were really going to eat pray love? Oh 100%. And um there's this guy actually you'll like this line this guy Ragunath capo um he's been on Rogan's he was in this really famous hardcore band I'm forgetting the name uh in New York, like back in like the seventies, eighties. And, uh, he went and became a monk in India and I was going to go with him. He had this one line on Rogan where he said, uh, Rogan asked him why he went to become a monk. And he said, I realized I wasn't playing music for God. I was playing music to be God. And I was like, I know, I know. Uh, Dude, um,
0: honestly, that's what, uh, you made a Trevor Hall reference earlier. That's what makes Trevor Hall special, and that's why he'll always win is because everything he does, dude, even if his sandwich was fucking extra good that day, and you're like, ooh, that was a bomb sandwich, huh? He'll be like, man, it's just creator. He's just blessing me, man. Like, he literally (laughs) – he takes no credit for anything. He's just like, yeah, man, God's on the team. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) so funny. Um, It's interesting. I actually only started listening to him because of you. Because I was looking at, hey, you like, hear was that, it, Trev? Was, yeah, suck on that, whoever you are. <laughs> um, well, oh, I guess the, your creator led me to him before you. Uh, remember how I'm just <laughs> mocking the kindest man in the world. Um, but yeah, because yeah, I was like, it was like artists similar to you, and so sure. I was listening, to him, and uh, yeah, it turns out he's really good. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it, he had this, um, I really admire that. And of course the cynic and the comic in me is like, Oh, I bet he's fucking murdering people. I'm
0: like, no, I bet he's really happy. Really believes. So it. here's and what's, I- here's what's so weird about him, dude, is because there's a lot of uh, musicians and Ed, you're in the entertainment industry where you're like, Oh, I bet that guy's cool as fuck. And then you meet him and they're just total douchebags. Whenever yep. people ask me like, what's Trevor like? I always, my response is always, he's exactly who you think he would be. Oh, What do you think,
1: and so because you know I'm not like a fanboy of his, this is just more a larger conversation about authenticity, is what do you think makes someone like that? Is it work? Because I can tell you, this is the first year that, so I had the breakup, did the cliche, I'm going to take mushrooms by myself on Valentine's Day and find myself. I'm pretty much sober. it It was the best experience of my life. Great. Um and with that said, Attic Brain was like, all right, I'm gonna become a psychonaut and do this all the time. And I was like, no, I like got what I needed from that, you know? Um I've started like, yeah, listening to more music that's like more like uplifting. Like I'm listening to less comedy podcasts, more like, you know, like Aubrey Marcus type shit. And you know, I'm really good friends with like Kyle Kingsbury and like a lot of like the Aubrey Marcus tangential people i
0: think trevor's friends with aubrey Um, yeah dude i want to meet aubrey because i really get a kick out of that dude i'd love to uh, yeah i'd love to link with him kyle's the fucking
1: one of my favorite people on the planet um aubrey i've never met we just have a lot of like mutuals same Uh, um but like so that's really helped gratitude and sincere gratitude because for the longest time I like thought I was like an atheist and then I moved out of LA to to nature and I'm like, Oh, I'm definitely not an atheist. And then I did mushrooms. And I'm like, I'm definitely not an atheist. Right. But I realized that like, even though I'm still pretty anti most organized religions, um, like prayer and gratitude has yeah. really, even though I'm not religious has really kind of like changed my life. I don't know if I'm saying thank you to the universe, to nature, to God, to whoever, um, so, like, with Trevor, so I guess what I was asking you is, like, do you think that some people are just born that way? Or do you think that, you know, it can be sort of a practice and something achieved where it's like if you just make stuff, show gratitude, try to be present, um, you can kind of get to that that zen level that maybe he's at.
0: Well, I know for me, dude, it was definitely a learned practice, you know, and when I pray, that's all I do is say, thanks. I don't ask for anything. I just say, thanks, you know, Same, same, same. Yeah. And, and Trev dude, you know, has been through on the industry side of things has been through the ringer and he has managed to not get jaded or be angry. He's just accepted it as part of his path, you know, and he's not just a like, Oh yeah. I meditate sometimes and stuff like, that. he's a full on, uh, named Curly Baba devotee. Wow. Yeah. Like he's he's like that's his life. You know. It's and it's really yeah. interesting because he's such a down ass dude that you forget that that is his life. And you're like, yeah. sometimes I forget, and then I see pictures of him like in a robe with the paint on. Yeah. And a puja like doing the whole thing, and I'm like, oh yeah, I forget that you do that, dude. Like that's a dude. huge part of who he is.
1: So that's when I finally was like, okay. I'm definitely religious or spiritual or whatever. Where Raghunath, the guy I was telling you about, took me to a kirtan. Yeah. Have you ever been to one? Yeah. Me and him, it was in New York, so it was like a big one. And uh, in this like upstairs, like the size of a loft, but just packed in, like tears. I didn't know the difference between Krishna and like, I still don't. I literally just bought the Bhagavad Gita um, and somebody gave me beads and I was like, I have to do this every day to all the beads, say the thing. No. Um, but it, it was one of the most beautiful. And I'm like, even if there is no God, I would come here every week and the community, the music, the gratitude, the loving, the, the, that shit is so important. It's just missing in the majority of religions. I mean, shit, my favorite line of Ramdas, and I'm talking about like, I had my mushroom spiritual awakening saying, uh, I am open, like, with a Ramdas fucking thing in the background that I'm looking at the mountains. Still, my favorite Ramdas line of all time is he goes, If you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family, which is the best line of all time. And that to me was like, I'm like, I will listen to your religion now because, uh, that is so human and humble and wonderful. And like, I think that's the difference about some of the like devotee types where they still are fucking humans who find incredible purpose through this religion, as opposed to people who define themselves by a religion of like fear And exodus and punishment and rules and regulations, you know, it seems like it's like they can just draw inspiration from it. I am all over the place. I
0: usually get interviews
1: in the morning. I don't know if I'm making sense.
0: No, absolutely, dude. And that's the thing is that I think it's like, you know, I think it being a practice is the thing, right? Because that's the thing. Like, the, ooh, you ready? We're going to make it full circle. All right, let's do it. Okay being a you're a black
1: belt right uh i fucking no i'm like a million year brown belt
0: okay so but let's say okay let's say you get your black belt tomorrow are you done with jujitsu did you find the end of jujitsu or do you still have to keep practicing no i'm out i'm out right i got my black belt (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly
1: well i mean most people will say uh dude i have such a fucking ego it's so funny you think you kill the ego and i want to be like it's just because i moved um But anyway, the uh, uh, no, most black belts say that they feel like they are starting to get a white belt when they get their black belt.
0: Well, you're on a a different level.
1: Right. It's this whole other
0: world. It's the same with music, right? Yeah. Like you play Madison Square Garden, you're not done. No. Well, and what's interesting too, dude, I think about, I was talking about that today too, is it's like, man, a few years ago, I was like, man, if we could just sell 200 tickets a night, I'd be so fucking stoked. And then you sell 650 one time and you're like, well, why don't we do this everywhere? Right. And then you're like, okay. So, and then you start getting offers to move into th- theaters and ballrooms and you're like, okay, so, but what if we play this? Th- okay. Well then what's next? You know? Yeah. You're constantly thinking. And I think the same thing at black belt, like I was just talking to a friend of mine that just got his black belt this year. And he's like, well, what's fucking scary now is I, I tell people, yeah, I'm a, I'm a jujitsu and black belt. And, and when I get to somewhere, they're like, oh, cool. I'm a black belt, too. And it's like, well, I probably can't beat you. And that's going to feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dude,
1: like, every time you hear, would you just describe this is kind of tangential, but I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about when you get to a certain level of fame, how easy it would be to turn into a fucking asshole because you just yes. have so many yes men and stuff like that. Yep. And I'm listening to that and I go, I would never do that. But then I had, as you were saying that, I was like, no, I remember moments as the rooms were getting a little bigger and then one wasn't as big and then I got pissed off or like this manager I fired or like, I was like, I would never be the kind of person to cheat. And like, I fucking cheated because I was in a shitty relationship and because like I, I was too much of a pussy to get out of the relationship it wasn't because I was like oh I want to fucking hurt people it was that like I thought I was the victim I thought I was the one being hurt and so I fucking did that like it's a scary thing to think about where because you know I've rocked bottom so many times that I'm like I'm having these moments where I'm like man all I want is just to make like a nice living but then you get a little you know got that little verification check on instagram and i'm like i'm gonna be on instagram a little more maybe i gotta put out a little more content and oh if i do that black lives matter thing is that gonna like piss off people and then i have to be like no good fuck
0: them let them leave yep. like but i really have appreciated I, um how you have particularly being just so in the jiu-jitsu community um which is all new by the way since yeah. quarantine Yeah, I really appreciate how you've how you've kind of stuck to your guns there because it's really interesting. Um, Seth Daniels, uh, who owns Fight to Win, yeah, made a post the other day that was pretty much like it was a picture of a. You saw it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I I followed the comments. Horrible. What in the fuck, man? And it always freaks me out because I'm like, these people are in jujitsu. I'm like, how do you be a part of combat sports and have any sort of racism? Like yeah, hey, so that's a good way to let get me your give, ass kicked.
1: Let me give the spiel for the, the audience who may not be in the jiu-jitsu world, which is I think me and you are very similar as we're finding out in this interview. And when I found jujitsu, I thought it was the most self-regulating, humble, like inclusive. You know, everyone talks about jujitsu. It's like, oh, it'll change your life. Jiu saved my life. Um, I mean, dude, I was hanging out with like Wokey McWoke liberal journalists in New York. And I feel like jujitsu was the first time I actually became friends with people of color. You know what I mean? Like all, all the fucking nation staff who was like writing about like racism. It's like, well, someone should tell that to whoever organizes your Friday night drinks because it is a lot of white people. And then I went to jujitsu and, like, oh, now I'm friends with Asian people and Portuguese people and black people and blah blah blah. So I've stayed out of politics for years now and, uh, Bla- uh, George Floyd happens and my audience on Instagram, uh, is now primarily jujitsu people. Cause I started making all these weird comedy videos and enough jujitsu people follow me that they started spreading them around. Um, And I was like, all right, you know what? I don't see Black Lives Matter or George Floyd as a political issue. I see it as an issue of right and wrong. I see it as an issue of racist or not racist, of moral and immoral. And even though I'm not as liberal as I used to be and I can be friends with more centrist people or even some more conservative people now without freaking out and calling them a Nazi, which old me would have done, there are certain issues, racism, misogyny, homophobia, where it's like, oh, yeah, if you're a homophobe, like, we're not friends. Yep. Like, we have a problem. If you're a racist, we have a problem. Um, And so I did a pretty fucking tame black lives matter video or black lives matter post and yeah dude some like on mine some really famous fighters some friends of mine were like oh you're getting sucked back into that fucking cuck world i don't know what they were saying but like some yeah shit yeah, like yeah. That. and it's like no i'm just not a racist or they're like and then i did another video the next day i was like fuck that i'm like doubling down so i did a video about like to all the races or to all the followers i may have lost and like yeah and i just started going harder and harder and Man, I was so disheartened, Um, but it's like, yeah, there's going to be assholes in fucking every community, you know? And what I'm telling myself with the jujitsu world is I lost a lot of respect for a lot of people, but I made a bunch of dope friends and those friends are black and Filipino and they're fucking cooler than my white ass and like people I really, I didn't know about. Like, I didn't know who they were. They were just like dope black belts that just kind of like slid under the radar. Probably a lot of it having to do with like their race or whatever. Um, And yeah, I have a bunch of friends now. And like, but it sucks. Well, what's
0: interesting with jujitsu is one thing that I've always really uh, carried the flag for is having. There's not many places you can go into and see cops that are friends with drug dealers. And um you know republicans and super far left liberals all fucking hanging out together and like not just being like oh yeah we do this activity together but i have friends that are conservatives that i'm like oh no dude i take a bullet for that dude no question
1: you know and it's
0: because of jujitsu so this whole thing has been really polarizing because like you're saying you know with the in the in the instance of i have george floyd it's like dude what are you talking about, dude? This isn't a fucking issue of even racism. We're so far yeah. past that. This is like murder or not murder. Like, yeah,
1: you know, you know who was, you know, who was really happy. Fucking swastika hand tattoo guy. I know that guy didn't get it <laughs> erased. He didn't get it taken. <laughs> dude, um, what a
0: thing to say. That's like a sixty dollar thing. Like, dude, you literally <laughs> add four small fucking quarter inch lines, and your swastika is now a square yeah. with two lines through it. Yeah, that's what you did. Yeah, or you at least fucking duct tape that shit until the appointment.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, I I doubt the the tattoo shop outside of fucking Boulder or wherever I was is like booked up for like six months. Um, the the other thing that disappointed me besides just like vile racism is jujitsu. Like we, a lot of us got into it because we want to like fight for what's right and be able to defend people. And if you don't see that George Floyd video as anything, but an abuse of power and bullying and something that like, I would fucking step in to stop. Yep. Uh, Well, that's the uh, thing. I'm like, Oh, now we're, we're fucking, we're rooting for the bullies. All of a sudden I thought jujitsu people were the whole like question authority, man, we're the cool outcasts and how quickly we will all line up to, to, to join with the state narrative. And look, the 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 biggest. I'm sure your audience is a lot of liberals, so I don't want to just preach to the choir. The problem in general is that we have become so tribalized on social media, with just like not doing any investigation ourselves and being like, "What does our team believe?" Okay, I guess that's what I believe because there are so many hot takes and different things to be mad about getting thrown at you so quickly that it's the reason that COVID is politicized. It's yep. the reason that people defiantly aren't wearing masks because they're like, well, my team
0: is against masks and it's why, you know, know what's really interesting to me. I, I, every time I see someone not wearing a mask, it's always someone that's old and overweight. And I'm like, look at my body, dog. I'm a motherfucking athlete. Okay. Yeah. I'm not wearing (laughs) Uh this mask for me, dude. I'm wearing it for fat people like you. So come on, man, just hop on the fucking team here. Like,
1: maybe they're just like, maybe they're just like, just take me. I tried fucking – I tried I tried overeating. That didn't work. Just fucking take me, COVID.
0: Yeah, dude. I almost – it's funny too because I've been working a lot on, um, you know, just kind of walking a little quieter and not asserting myself. And today uh, I went to the hardware store to get some Drano, and yeah. there was this guy that had his mask down. And you could see the two employees at the hardware store looking at him, and they're looking at me, and there was this whole like – vibe going on and i wanted yeah. to just look at him and be like dude you're such a fucking rebel you're such dude, a badass you I are know. literally a fucking modern day cornwall uh, motherfucker. i
1: almost did i almost did this at a gas station the other day and i was just like i had to like talk myself down i'm like walk low well, like just you're such a you badass
0: dude you could be out there championing causes and saving kids from sex slavery but you're not dude you're fighting the real war in here dude. not wearing and a mask ha- at the hardware store
1: and they have such a smug yep. look like they're like they're damning the man and it's just like
0: looking at you dude, like you're like some sort of like government pawn for wearing some your mask. fucking
1: sheep and it's just like yeah man i'm just trying to be nice like that's what yeah. it comes down to it, right it's like I think that like that—that's the Trevor thing. That's the—that's everything. Where it's like just try to be nice. Um, yeah. That—that that well, was the big Ramdas line. Uh, that was—he he says this all the time, but it's the I am loving awareness. Yep. And it's such a cliche, but it's like when you wake up every day being like, I want to try to make people happy. I want to lead with love. I want to. I mean, I really don't do the tortured comedian thing. Like I have bouts of depression. I have like this week was really bad. Um, that comedy week was really bad, but every day I'm waking up trying to be like happy, make other people happy, period. Um, and when that's the goal, but I mean like back in the day, I would just wake up with just the fucking just panic and anger. And if I saw one little thing, I'd just be like outraged and, Uh, that's not a way to fucking live, you know? And people on the left do it on fucking Twitter. People on the right do it in fucking hardware stores without masks. Like, it's just not everything has to be like a fuck you to society. Like, you can just try to be, you can try to be decent. I mean, shit, when I got off Twitter uh, to make my righteous political points, you know, I actually started talking to people at the grocery store because I wasn't glued to my phone. And I bet you that, half the conversations I've had with employees at grocery stores, just being nice and treating them like a human did more than any of my snarky hot takes did on a fucking hashtag, which by the way, I wasn't even doing for the right reasons. I was doing it for validation and for me to get
0: like, look good. Um, So yeah, just fucking be nice. Well, it's funny, dude. Will, uh, my professor and I, he's like my best friend, you know, and I'm, I'm so jealous that you have this like,
1: agent, best friend, professor that you guys all do (laughs) jujitsu like that. I hope you know how fucking wonderful, like, dude, you're, it's so like, I'm sincerely happy for you, but like, that's been the thing in Arizona that I haven't had. Um, like I was a Marcelo Garcia. Like he was like my dude. And then I went to LA, um, with Sean and I didn't really vibe as well at that school. I liked Sean. Um, and then Arizona, I haven't found like a home place so like I don't have where are that. you at in Arizona uh, Tucson,
0: okay, How far is that from Phoenix? It's
1: like two hours like I went and did oh. Sugar Sean's. i like I did Sugar Shawn's podcast and I was thinking about driving up to what's train that kid like uh, exactly what do you think he is yeah like su- so nice, super yeah. nice, but I like, heard that it's not an act uh, I haven't trained with him though uh, I, I just did his podcast um, I just actually. They, I had Benson on and dude, I fucking saw that. Uh, I'm so I, my girlfriend fight, like when I want to show someone new fighting, I show uh, the, his match with, with Pettis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great it, from the, play.
1: from the, from the WEC, because yep. like, obviously you have the Pettis ninja kick at the end, but their back and forth exchanges on the ground. In every range, boxing, yep. kickboxing, jiu-jitsu. Like, some of the jujitsu escapes both of them did. Like, yep. it's one
0: of my favorite matches of all, well, time, what of all was, time. What was funny, too, about Benson A, he's, like, the sweetest, most humble dude ever. But, like, yeah. uh, he said to me, I said, hey, man, so I did some research in preparation for our podcast, and you're the most decorated combat sports athlete of all time. And he said, what? no, that can't be right. And I said, no, you are. <laughs> no, you are. I looked it up, man, because he's – four-time all-american he's medaled at worlds x amount of times Whoa. he had a belt in wec two belts in the ufc uh like especially across all aspects of combat sports Wow. and he yep. totally was like unaware of it but i was asking him about o'malley uh and he was saying like that people look at him especially being like the skinny guy and he's like dude it doesn't make sense how hard he hits. I know people don't get it and they don't get it until he hits them in the face, but he hits really fucking hard.
1: Yeah. It's funny, man. Like as much as me and you know about combat sports, like I remember when Nikki Ryan came into our gym, like when he was younger and even smaller, you look at him and you go, I can fuck that kid up. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then (laughs) like you and then you watch him. I actually didn't get to roll with him. Like I've rolled with like a bunch of those guys, but like, uh, there was this, when I was a Purple Belt, there was this brown belt there who was bigger than me and used to beat the shit out of me. Like, the only guy there who, like, could, like, torture me. And, uh, Nikki just beat the living shit out of him. And I was just like, yep, yeah, all right, man. Jiu-jitsu, it's everything you preach. You preach, like, yeah, it doesn't matter about size and stuff like that. But then you go against someone smaller and you're like, I'm going to fucking beat this kid up. And yep. then, yeah,
0: you're like, oh, that's right. Jiu-jitsu yep. works. There's levels, man. Yeah, and, yeah, it's funny, too, like, um... It's funny how combat sports athletes kind of get personalities. I kind of, I kind of like it when they don't. Um, You know, I think, you know, Connor uh, added a lot to that and showed that you can add a lot of zeros to your paychecks if you throw a little sauce on it. But it's like, I really like, you know, when I had Benson on the podcast, dude, he would like interrupt the podcast so we could listen to his two-year-old son tell him about the spider mask that he was wearing for the 86th (sighs) time. And he's just like, I'm sorry, man. I, I must listen to him, you know? And yeah. Um, And same thing like in Anderson Silva, you know, where it was like, no, dude, I'm not going to talk shit about anyone. I just think I'm going to win because I'm a good martial artist. It's like, dude, I miss that.
1: Yeah, I went to. um, I I was at Anderson versus Vitor with that head kick knockout, the face kick. And I was at the hotel and the elevator open and Anderson was just standing there. And like, I don't. I've hung out with enough celebrities, like actors, musicians, that like I don't get nervous. Um, certain fighters and professional wrestlers, as I learned that, as I learned three days ago when I saw John Moxley and almost threw up and couldn't say anything to him. Um, <laughs> there's something different where there's just an air. It's like the difference between like if you met like Frank Sinatra or Muhammad Ali. It's like right. which one's going to make you go. Oh. Uh, uh, like totally. I, don't, I don't give a fuck about Frank Sinatra, but Muhammad Ali is like a superhero,
0: you know. Um, that's funny. I had that conversation with with my manager where he was like,
1: "Does he also uh, do jiu-jitsu? You fucking no, jiu-jitsu. no,
0: no, he doesn't." And he gets annoyed that I talk about it all the time. But I'm, uh, I'm on his side. <laughs> yeah. But we had that conversation where he was like, "Dude, there's got to be some celebrities out there that would make you, sh- you know." skip yeah. a beat a little bit and I was like honestly man I can only think of fighters yeah. you know um, Anderson would be one for sure
1: Anderson yeah I couldn't do anything I couldn't ask for a picture I couldn't I couldn't do anything although I did recently remember the first music festival I played I think it was Latitude and uh, I met Bon Iver backstage or Bon Iver however you say bon Iver. it yeah Bon Iver and uh, he misheard me Where's he from? He's from either, like, Minnesota or Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, Wisconsin, I think. And he was like, oh, so you're from Wisconsin, too? And I was like, yes. And I just, like, lied, and then I had to fake, like, a five-minute conversation about fucking Wisconsin with him. So, like, (laughs) there are still some musicians that I'm nervous around. Well, I opened for Talib Kweli, and I was, like, totally chill until then. He started, like, casually – because he's so nice – but then he was Bro. telling stories about like him and Jay-Z. And then yeah. I remembered that he's Talib Kweli. And I was like, oh, and then
0: I got nervous. Bro, I have a hilarious Talib Kweli story. Oh my God, hook it up. All right. So when are we, the first time that we ever played in New York City, my my drummer lives in Brooklyn, okay. born, born and raised New York kid. But when we're pulling into Manhattan, I said, wouldn't it be crazy if we bumped into Talib Kweli? Because he's like one of my favorite MCs of all time. Of course, so I said that at the beginning of the evening while we were loading into the venue. Great. At about twelve thirty at night, there's this little bodega deli, as there is every thirty feet in New York City. Yep. And we go in there, and I'm like ordering a sandwich, and Ben taps my shoulder and points, and I turn around until Lib and Lib Libquali's buying rolling papers, and I was like, "Yo, dude, your whole catalog changed my whole shit up." And he was like, "Oh shit, respect, man," and like dab me up, and I was like, "Yep." yep. Thanks, dude, for this moment right now. <laughs> my, my favorite New York story, very similar to that.
1: Uh, wildly different type of celebrity. Like, not one your audience is going to be excited about. I feel like my Talib name drop gave me some cred, and this one's a little weirder. But it was that same New York moment. Where my 1st man, manager—I've never had good managers or agents. Like even the fact that you have like nice, normal conversations with yours,
0: I'm just like, ah, oh, that's the. Yeah, day. my manager is my best friend.
1: Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> where do you live again? I'm like, I'm gonna move there. Montana, uh, dude. The
0: jujitsu is great, and there's a lot. There's uh, not very many people. That's yeah. That's the move. Are, are is your manager an agent? Are they L.A. people? Um, my manager just moved from L.A. to Denver. Okay, Um, And then my agent agent lives in Chicago. Hold on.
1: Hold on. Not not that I know, but is your manager Andy Frasco's manager? No. Okay, because that guy lives in Denver. And I heard Andy talk about his manager, because I I did Andy's podcast. And same deal. I got, like, super jealous. Like, sounded like the most wonderful guy. Um, Yeah, I've just had – you know why? Every manager and agent I've got either was, like – I did this one festival. I mean, this is boring for everybody. But, like, a lot of them, more famous people recommended me. So, like, Robin got me all of his people. And so you think, like, oh, that means they're going to take care of me. But it just means, no, no, no. By signing me, they appeased their famous person. And then you can go fuck yourself. Or, you know, I remember when I did Conan... Uh, you know, I, I I was homeless. I, like, lived out of my car. I did this political rant that, like, no one's ever done something like that. Fucking Glenn Greenwald tweeted about it the next day. He's the guy, the journalist who, like, discovered Snowden. Like, it could have been a big thing. I'm in tears backstage because I told people when I was living out of my car that I'm going to be on fucking Conan. And uh, my manager comes back and goes, wow, didn't know that would be so political. Anyway, you can send me my check next week and walks out. So, like, those nice. are the types I've been dealing with. Um, and then because I'm codependent and hate myself, I won't fire them because uh, I'm like, well, then I'll never get an agent again. Even though everything I've done, I've gotten on my own and then I've just paid them a fucking cut for it. It's fucking stupid. Anyway, so I, my first manager, cartoonishly bad. This is I'm 22 years old. I'm still working at a bookstore. I'm working at Borders in Columbus Circle in the Time Warner Center in New York. And I get a commercial audition. I've never acted before. And I'm, I'm taking the phone call at the information desk at Borders because I was like notoriously their worst employee. And um, I go, well, do you have any advice? And he goes, I don't know. Just call one of your actor friends. I'm like, I don't have any actor friends. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. You'll be fine. And I hang up and literally as I hang up, I look up and Renee Zellweger is standing right there. <laughs> and this was like Renee Zellweger peak, like in between like Jerry Maguire and like cold mountain, like, nice. it was, like famous. It was before she was in tabloids and stuff. And I go, Hey, I never bother celebrities. I never asked for pictures. I never, whatever. But then I told her the conversation I just had with my manager and she goes, okay, walk with me. And we talked for like an hour about acting uh she was giving me this advice she was shooting. oh no i know what she was shooting she was shooting cinderella man with russell crowe because she was talking about like you know with acting you just have to be yourself and bring yourself to the role even if it's like a a a period piece or whatever she came in the next day i think she was living in the time warner building to ask how it went like that's how fucking cool she was so when i saw her get like start to get like tore up and like tabloids i was so heartbroken because she was so but yeah man Stories like that make me miss fucking New York, where you're like, I wish I could see Talib Kweli, and he's right there. Or like, I need acting advice, and there's Renee Zellweger, where it's like, in L.A., when it happens, it feels so artificial. Like, in L.A., you see a celebrity, and you go, I guess I'm going to take a picture for my Instagram. In New York, you want to have a moment. You want to hug Talib in a deli. I didn't get a picture with Renee. My
0: drummer drummer pissed next to Mos Def at uh, the knitting factory, and he was like what's up, dude? And he's like- That's the story. Yeah. I I pissed next to Paul
1: Rudd in the United (laughs) Lounge at LAX. Oh, listen to this. This was the weirdest flight of all time. Do you remember when there was a shooting at LAX? Yeah. I was there. No way. I was flying from New York and my flight had both Neil deGrasse Tyson and Paul Rudd, the two most beloved people of all time. So we land in terminal three, and this mass shooting is happening in terminal one. We have no idea. Because as people are hitting the deck, cops are storming terminal one. I'm like, boop doop it's Paul Rudd. And like we're just like happy as shit. And then like I look up at the TV at the bar and I'm like, huh, there's an airport shooting. And then i was like, but up. And then I'm like, yeah, I pissed next to Paul Rudd. I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson. I gave him a little nod. And then uh Suddenly, like shit starts getting weird, shit starts getting quiet, and then it's just the whole all hell breaks
0: loose. Like everything is like locked down. Uh, but yeah, piss next to Paul Rudd. It's a good, that's a great celebrity. That's one. If someone says you don't, if, if someone says they don't like Paul Rudd, I don't know if I can like them.
1: They're a sociopath.
0: Yeah, dude. You're, yeah, they're They're like fucking.
1: Wrong. Yeah, they're like Trevor Hall secretly killing people when they're talking about <laughs> blessed sandwiches and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I really have become a massive fan of his music. I feel like I should say that.
0: Yeah, no, he's a sweetie, dude. He's a sweetie. Um, all right, what else do I got on here? Uh, I think we hit. How one. did you? How did you start? How did you start jujitsu? How did that start, and how did that work in with comedy and all of that? <laughs> it, uh, yeah. So,
1: technically, I did MMA from like seventeen to twenty. For, you know, the regular reasons, like I was a dorky kid who grew up on martial art movies, wanted to learn how to fight, then did comedy, had a phase where I was kind of successful and just was drinking, smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, eating shitty food. I got really out of shape. um And at 28, uh it's like 11 years ago or something. I was doing a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival um Th- there were these late night shows. This one was in the basement of a castle where like everybody, you know, from like me to like Tim Minchin and Eddie Izzard, like all these random people, because, uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, you put up your own show. So a lot of people don't make money. So they do these late night shows to make a hundred pounds here, 200 pounds there. And a lot of times it funds, uh, yeah. it funds the shows and everybody goes to the late night shows, all the, the punters, uh, to figure out whose solo show they want to see. So there would be like 600 people at these 1 a.m. shows, but they've been drinking all day. Yeah. Um, so it's a bear pit. So you're either going to kill or get booed off stage. And, you know, I've gotten discovered at late shows. It's how I became friends with like Tim Minchin, which by the way, I'm going to shout out his show because it didn't air in America, but it's airing now on the Sundance uh, channel. He has a a TV show called upright, which was my favorite show of this year. It's so sweet and good and like musical. Um, But uh, I got, I was doing a show and I had some pro abortion joke and God, is abortion still illegal in Ireland? whatever. There were a lot of Irish people there. And this one table started like booing me. And usually when you have one heckler, but the rest of the audience likes you, you can shut them down. And then the rest of the audience is on your side, but no one liked me. So I started going after them and then another table started coming after me. And then I started going after them and then another table. And it was just like, growing like covid like it was just awful <laughs> and uh so what i decided to do is they go guys i think there's been some like communication problems or something let me just start all over again and i started doing word for word the exact set that was getting me booed <laughs> off stage from the very beginning and they lost their goddamn like people were standing up they were screaming they were throwing shit security comes and brings me off stage and i go hey man i could have handled that you know because i like wanted to be bill hicks and like go after hecklers or bill burr or whoever and he goes i wasn't bringing you off stage for them i was protecting you i've never heard such specific threats being shouted out and the specificity is what made him think this audience is going to act on it. Like they had a plan, you know? I'm going to take uh, this fucking like,
0: cocktail straw and I'm going to shove it up his left nostril and then it I'm going to curb stop that. him.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's like,
0: oh, that's going to happen. And so uh,
1: I was like, I should probably go back to jujitsu. And then I got back to New York and started doing jujitsu again. I uh, was so out of shape that I threw up during the warm-ups then snuck out and fell asleep at a Barnes and Noble next to Penn station. And uh, then like a week later, went back, started training a lot. And then I became obsessed with it. And then, you know, like you, it kind of makes you invincible on stage where I now have a confidence that I didn't have before that just kind of says like, don't fuck with me because like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like you're going to fight me. Cool. I'm going to go viral as comedian beats the fuck out of audience members. And then I'm going to be more <laughs> famous than I ever would be based on talent.
0: Yeah, dude. I've, uh, it's only come up a couple of times where I've like really had to flex nuts on someone Yeah. anytime out in the real world in a festival setting. It was another musician. Um, and I said the most like gangster thing I've ever said to anyone in my life. Now, mind you, I, I think seven or eight times, not over exaggerating, uh, tried to make peace with this gentleman and say, Hey man, no one here is trying to get to that level. I'm on your team. Yeah. I apologize for whatever's making you upset and I'm on team. Let's make it better. And when we were walking up on stage, he like flinched at me. Um, and I got down and I just got very close to his, said, or got very close to his face. And I, uh, and I said to him, uh, you know, some people enjoy human to human combat so much that they practice it all of the time. And uh I watched his eyes, kind of like, "What the fuck?" And I was just like, "I'm one of those people." And then that was the end of the the confrontation. But what That's I like would a say- better written
1: version of the Taken speech that Liam Neeson gives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right.
0: Well, just That's a incredible. little shorter. Holy you
1: shit. Know? What- what a line. What a line. Good yeah, it was, By the way, that's not gangster. That's like serial killer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, what was funny about it too was afterwards, it kind of sent me down this wormhole, which I'm sure you've experienced is like, when you train all of the time, dude, you start to handle things in a different way. Because the analogy that I always say is right. Okay. Like human interaction on a scale of one to 10. One being us making eye contact and 10 being you and I are fighting to the death. Yeah. If you're comfortable at like eight to 10, then one through seven is going to be a cakewalk and, uh, and my business dealings in, you know, I'm litigating a label deal right now. There's just kind of this thing where you're like, well, man, I just don't really take shit. I'm not trying to be a dick. I just, I just don't take it because I don't. Well,
1: it's because they're all your fucking best friends that you're dealing with.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I, I well, got to say,
1: mean, my, we just, oh, sorry. you go. go, go. Oh,
0: I was just going to say my label, uh, the label that I'm in talks with, I'm, that I'm finishing up a deal with, uh, the GM of the label is very, very French. And on our yeah. initial, my manager is always like, anytime before a big call, he goes, please do not talk about MMA please do not talk about jiu <laughs> and that's uh so funny. yeah and the and the in the the gm of the label on the call he goes you know drew we really like your no bullshit mma attitude and i totally hit mute and then texted my manager like how you like them apples motherfucker
1: <laughs> that's amazing holy shit i uh what was just gonna say we just interviewed tim kennedy uh, so i have my podcast Dude,
0: he is my hero he's crazy
1: like, okay yeah. And well, so uh, I feel like before I go, I should definitely plug my shit. Yes, please uh, do. So I have my podcast, which is called uh, A Fuck-Ups Guide to Self-Help, which is a little more similar to this. It's very much about being a fuck-up, trying to help each other, being vulnerable, telling funny stories, blah, blah, blah. Um and uh, you know, we'll have co-hosts anywhere from like Oscar nominated writers this week to professional wrestlers next week. Uh, you got a co-host of one of these days too. Um, and uh, and then I have a jiu-jitsu podcast called Rue Naked Radio. And so on Rue Naked Radio, yeah, we interviewed Tim Kennedy last week. Dude, he's letting me take that crazy course of his. Like really? I'm, I'm flying out to do it. I'm like, I've never shot a gun. I've never, and he's like, Yeah, we're gonna train. And like, I'm so excited. So this guy is like. Green Beret definitely murdered a lot of people. Black (laughs) belt, Highest level MMA does secret shit still for the military. And he's like, oh yeah. If somebody tries to start a fight with me, he's like, I'm buying that guy a drink. Like I'm going to talk my way out of it. And you're right. It's like, people don't understand. It takes more confidence to be able to walk away from a fight because of ego. Like the people who are like, are you looking at me? It's like, yo, this is a com." I remember a guy tried to start a fight with me on a plane uh, recently. I haven't had someone try to start a fight with me because I'm really fucking nice. And uh, I stood up, this is pre COVID. So he was, and post nine 11. So (laughs) with all of our America's tragedies, there's no reason to be freaking out on a plane. Um, And (laughs) I guess I, either I bumped into him or he thought I bumped into him or like, he's just like glaring at me. And I'm like, Hey man, are you, are we, are you okay? Do you need help? And he was just like, you know, he just started like cursing me out. And I go, and I did the thing where I'm like, I put my hand on his shoulder where I'm like, I'm going to show that I don't give a shit about, there's going to be physical touch. I'm like, hey man, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I didn't mean to do that at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm really sorry. And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, you better not turn around. And I go, oh, I just apologize to you though. And he said something, some like, shit talky like I could kick your ass or whatever and that's when I went oh this isn't about me is it like this (laughs) this is a you thing this is like a mom thing this is a TSA fucking groped your shit and you want to take it out on like the tiny Jewy looking kid like I don't know what it is but it has nothing to do with me and that's most people who are fighting right most people in a bar who are like you fucking looking at me it's like dude especially
0: drunk it's insane. What blows me away is – everyone hates this analogy because I use it anytime this conversation comes up. Yeah. So it's been said a million times. But I, re, we're going to replace the word fighting with basketball. Great. Okay? Um. I played basketball one time when I was in college, and I was drunk, yeah. and I had all my friends with me. But I'm pretty certain, dude, especially if I was drunk, yeah. that I could beat most random strangers at basketball yeah. until – you bump into a motherfucking insurance salesman that plays basketball right. three days a week right. and right. actual teaches team. the kids, yeah, and teaches the fucking kids basketball.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. Like, so you don't drink because Alky, I um, I have an addictive personality, and I would probably be an alcoholic, but I'm a lightweight. So if I go past. If I get to the point where I close my eyes and I have the spins, I'm miserable. I hate myself. You know, I never, even when I was drinking, my problem was I would drink consistently and for the wrong reasons. It was like to be cool.
0: Um, And my mom's an
1: alcoholic. And so when I see that shit, I just don't want to be a part of it. Or when I see drunk guys or when I, because even the times that I'll have two drinks because I think I'm more interesting or I'll fit in. I see other guys who've had two drinks and I'm like, do I sound like that? You know? And then, but then I do the thing where I go the opposite route where I go, okay, I'm never going to drink. And then by putting that restriction on myself, now this obviously isn't for you. Like this isn't for anyone who's an alcoholic, but for me, for putting that restriction on myself, then I almost want to drink more. And then I go, am I an alcoholic? And then it's this whole fucking dude. If everybody in the world would just talk about their bullshit. Like yes. when I talk like this, I had a couple guys on Instagram recently reach out to me. They were like, "Dude, it's so like brave that you talk about like crying or like liking the new Taylor Swift album." And I'm like, "That shouldn't be brave. Like that should just be a normal thing." You know? And I and I think so much it's like if we could all just talk about like our bullshit and then see that, like, we're all broken and we're all struggling and we're all like, that's why I called the podcast what it's called. Um, I feel like everyone could just chill the fuck out a little bit. But I everyone's trying to project this image of, like, I am normal and healthy and what a human is supposed to be. That we all
0: just seem like a bunch of fucked up robots. Yeah, dude. And I think, like, for me, I have found all of my success through vulnerability And there's no greater thing than when someone comes up to me and is like, man, the fact that you share all that stuff, it's like, it makes me feel like it's okay that I feel these things. And it's like, yeah, dude, I'm fucking 32. Uh, I'm fairly successful. I have a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. Uh, My agent does jujitsu and I still go to therapy. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, dude.
1: I mean, it's, uh, it's weird because. And that's why I'm glad I met you, too, because I feel like a lot of vulnerable artists need to get punched in the mouth. Yeah. I feel like a lot of alpha dicks need to, like, fess up that love actually made them cry. You know what I mean? Like, I think that—because when I only hung out with, like, really liberal people and I didn't um, train— None of those motherfuckers ever got checked, you know, and so there was a lot of pretentiousness, a lot of condescending, uh, a lot of refusing to listen to someone who disagrees, um, a lot of, like, hating on athletes where it's like, well, they're not the jock, so they don't think they can bully people, but they'll still, like, bully them on Twitter, you know, And then obviously you get like a lot of jocks and shit or a lot of guys who are so afraid to be vulnerable or talk about depression. Like I'm pretty sure I have an eating disorder. And like you say that as a guy and people are like, that's a chick thing. It's like, nah, man, that's like an addict thing. Um, And I, and then so many of those guys, they don't, Talk about feeling sad or wanting to cry or whatever, and then they end up screaming at their fucking kid at a like a Pop Warner game, and, <laughs> and it's like,
0: I don't know, man. I think like, dude, all, or like, every- or just get, or getting drunk and starting to fight with a stranger. And I always think, yeah. dude, like I grew up with a dude that that hit a guy uh at a bar and the guy died, Jeez. and yeah, and he went to prison for a long time, and it's like. That, that can happen. That can actually happen to you when you're out in the real world and you start a fight with a dude and get knocked out and hit your head while you're really drunk.
1: Bro, my first MMA coach, who was like a blue belt when I was 17, gave me that speech. And it's probably why I didn't beat the shit out of anyone or turn into an asshole where he didn't say, he said, he goes, the first pussy, here's what he said first. He goes, the first pussy that's going to start a fight with you is gonna be the same one who sues you when you beat the shit out of him because you will beat the shit out of him. Yep. Um and then he also talked about that. He was like, even if you're winning, you don't know you drop a guy and he hits his head on the curb. You yeah. know, you, like there's That's just that happened to my so, friend. Yeah, there's just so much shit that you don't think about where it's like Hey, wouldn't it be better just to not fight? <laughs> yeah, dude, my,
0: my professor once said, yeah, dude, it's really cool. You get really good at fighting and then you get in a street fight and you show someone how good you are at fighting and then you go to prison for a really long time. It's awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, yeah. like That's, that's mean, the end goal. But that's another reason that, and I think for your audience who doesn't train, this will make sense to them. The reason that we're presenting right now that we don't fight is because like, yeah, we're so tough, blah, blah, blah. Another reason fighters don't fight is because we get to fight the best people in the world every day, which means we get one side of our ego taken care of where we get to beat the shit out of people. So we get that. We don't have yep. to walk in the bar and be like, oh, oh I'm a man. I have a, I have a, I have balls. Right. But then conversely, the other side of that is we get our ass kicked by someone every day. Yep. So like we get to see. We get to feel that balance every day. And that's what's so beautiful about fighting, right? That's why, back to Ashton Kutcher, that's why it's like that guy could just get his dick sucked by the entire world every day, all day. And he's like, man, I'm going to put myself in a situation where I get my ass kicked. You know, like... That's why I, I you gotta kind of admire well, can't we him.
0: just give him a cool worn out blue belt then? Just give him
1: a worn out blue belt. That's it. <laughs> give him like maybe like two or three stripes on that blue belt. <laughs> um, you know, you donate it to the school, give him another fucking stripe on the blue belt. Yeah. Um but yeah, man.
0: Yeah, I advise it. I advise it for everyone unless you know who you are. And yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Um I had uh yeah. For me, it's given me, I used to have kind of like an Asperger's level of empathy for other people. Cause I just had a very hard life. And yeah, um, I got, I feel that, you know, and I just started, I always used to play the comparison game where, where someone would tell me something and I'd be like, well, on my judgment of what hard is, that isn't hard. So I don't feel for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and you start to see people. The old in,
1: suffering Olympics. I've been yeah, there.
0: Yeah. The oppression Olympics, dude. Yeah, yep. Yep, yep. And, and, What, what starts to, what started to happen to my heart when I was training was I started seeing like, Oh man, you know, like getting choked, is just getting choked. And it's like, you know, what's a nine for me or, you know, something that would be a two for me can still be a nine for another person, but their physiological response is still the same. Like when you would see someone in neon belly, right. Freaking out, freaking out. It's like, motherfucker, just shrimp. But it's like, well, they don't know how to shrimp. So that neon belly to them, they think they're dying. Right. So it's like. It's not even shrimp. It's breathe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I had a, uh, I was showing some white belt, some shit the other day. And I was like, and he like punched me in the balls. (laughs) But he was like this 16 year old. The old, the old Keith Hackney. The old Keith Hackney. Yeah. (laughs) But he was just, and like, he looked at me and I was like, neither of us will acknowledge this. Oh, no, I think he, like, grabbed my balls. Like, it was bad. And I'm like, I won't say anything if you don't say anything. But he was just, like, some young kid, some young tough kid who had never had a dude on top of him. And yep. so his body was like, ugh, Freaking. I mean, that, that's the thing. If you're new to jujitsu, here's my one jujitsu advice. I'll, I'll actually give jujitsu advice before I leave. Um, and you're getting your ass kicked or kickboxing or boxing – Getting your ass kicked is the first line of self-defense. And what I mean by that is most people are so not used to being in that close proximity with someone who is trying to hurt them or having someone grab you or having someone even in your space in your, you know, that they will freak the fuck out and your hands start to sweat and you're, 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 you, you freeze up, you get tense. So even the days you're getting your ass kicked, you're still training for self-defense in the sense that you may not know how to get out. You may not know what to do, but you're learning to control yourself and stay in a, we're going to be okay. We're going to get out of this space. um, So that hopefully, you know, you can. Uh, And just having the littlest bit of combat experience um, is still going to put you in a, a, a way better. I mean, I even used to say when talking about like karate and shit, is I would put any high school wrestler or dude who's been in two bar fights against any karate black belt. Like, you just need that experience of, like, some motherfucker grabbing you and and and, and chilling out and not turning your back or not getting fetal or... or oh, whatever. yeah, that was the thing in the Ashton
0: video, too, dude. He fucking turned his back to him. What do you do? Well, I couldn't
1: watch it, by the way. Like, I yeah. know I'm talking a big game about it. I watched, <laughs> like, five seconds of it, and I was like, this is a snuff film for my heart. This is
0: yeah, well... You know, to, to what you're saying, uh, there's a moment when I was in no stripe white belt where everything changed for me. It was one of my first times rolling in the gi and Will took his gi and put it over my face and held it there and I'm shaking and freaking and freaking. And he goes, breathe. I said, I can't. And he goes, yes, you can. Yep. And I like stopped and was like, oh, oh shit. Yeah, I can. Weird. is not that wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just that like ninja technique of like, oh, that's weird. You knew that I could yep. breathe, but my brain didn't know that I could breathe. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy, man.
1: All right, well, I got a like Rogan level piss right now.
0: Okay, um, I'm going to I'm going to go uh crawl in bed with my wife. So, dude, I love you. Awesome. And I love your stuff, bro. I'm really excited that too, we know dude. each other. This is great. Um,
1: I will say this in front of your audience. This is where someone gives the humble, I'm a big fan of yours. Instead, I'll say, bring me out to open for you so I can meet your wonderful family, a manager, an agent, and do (laughs) jujitsu, and not drink, and do art. I'll do comedy. I'll do music. I'll teach jujitsu. I'll fucking juggle. I just, I want to perform around decent fucking jujitsu people. That's why I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to LA with Russell Peters, and he's a... He's bringing me out to train with Jean Jacques Machado, and I'm like, okay, if there, if I can befriend enough artists who like do jujitsu and are healthy, I can stay in the game. If not, I'm I'm staying in the mountains and I'm making weird Instagram videos because I'm fucking, um, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with strip mall comedy clubs and just people wanting to get drunk with you, and like, I hate it. I fucking hate it.
0: Well, the content that you're making is fucking awesome, dude, and uh, I Thanks, believe man. in you. And I think that you, uh, I think that you are, uh, you're on the cusp of, of forging a really awesome uh, path for comedy.
1: Oh, uh, I hope so, dude. And and like I've become like a real big fan of yours. And like just talking to you, it's like you know when you occasionally do those conversations where you're like, oh, we're like insta homies. Totally, how I feel. So Likewise. yeah, I, I got your back, dude. Uh, actually, I'll send you my number. So if you ever, if you ever get the sads or like, I don't know, like
0: you can always hit me up. Yeah, dude. And I would go, I'm i planning on coming to Arizona this winter. So uh, at the very least. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I cool. will see you this winter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll drive up wherever. Okay. All right, bro. All take right. care of yourself. Talk see soon. you, brother. Thank you. Bye. All right. Yo. Hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Um, I believe Carl is going to be on the podcast next. Uh, Carl or one other person? I don't know, I just moved into an office, so I'll be able to go back to using my fancy microphone, and I can start doing everything. Um, yeah, doing everything from my badass office. And Carl will be the first fucking in-person podcast that I've done. So I'm pumped for that, uh, Carl, I want to get Cass Haley on, I want to get Nathan from Ayatera on, uh, we're gonna have a couple more fighters that are all fighting this week, I have a bunch of homies that have fights this week, shout out to, uh, Benson Henderson, shout out to Impa, um, lots of boys going to war this week, and, uh, yeah, big love to y'all, sending all my prayers, and take care of each other, and we'll see you next week, peace.